Welcome to the IAH Podcast, where we profile current and former fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth, Coordinator for Faculty Programs. In this episode, Communication Specialist Melissa Clay speaks with Rob Kramer, Senior Leadership Consultant for the IAH. In the interview, Mr. Kramer informs us on how he discovered a career in executive coaching and leadership training, new trends in research on leadership, and the importance of mindfulness in his work as a coach and ways to communicate this practice to emerging leaders. Why don't you tell us, because for those who don't know, what do you do here at the Institute for the Arts and Humanities? My official title, I believe, is Senior Consultant a senior leadership consultant for the Institute. Um, I originally came on board to co-facilitate the academic leadership program. And uh, now I co-facilitate the chair's leadership program as well. Um, And over time, I've also started, I kind of joke on the utility infielder for the the (laughs) Institute. I do a little (laughs) bit of everything. So I've helped facilitate departmental retreats and I've done coaching and I've provided yeah, well, I actually provided coaching both internally for the staff here as well as through the Institute provided coaching to faculty on campus. Right. Yeah, helped develop initiatives. I've taught some programming here now over the years. So mm-hmm. kind of whatever they ask, I'm delighted to do. And how did you get into leadership development? Sort of through the back door, I would say. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it. After graduate school, I uh, was introduced to a gentleman who owns a management consulting firm um, in this area. And uh, he also specializes in outdoor education. So he has uh, on their campus, they have a beautiful retreat center and also a, a ropes course, oh, which yeah. is experiential outdoor ed. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my friend said, oh, you should go meet this guy and see what they do. I think you might be intrigued by it. And so I went and saw it and just fell in love with it. Light bulb went on. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow. And so I started off literally interning there. Um, which led to a full-time job there. And I really cut my teeth on management development, leadership development, team development, Mm -hmm. and the notion of facilitating people through processes to help them look at their strengths and weaknesses, both individually and collectively. And that set me on my way. And I also realized I found the right field when my – Pleasure reading was leadership books. And to, oh, yeah, that's a good indicator. <laughs> to this day, my bedside is filled with leadership books. And, uh, it's kind of bizarre. But I thought, oh, this is really the field. And um, so I, I'm avid reader, heavily, heavy reader of leadership mm-hmm. and organizational development kind of things. What are you reading these days? What am I reading right now? Uh, I just finished reading a book on systems, mm-hmm. um, which was terrific. What's an example of systems in the workplace? Great question. A real clear example that people tend to be able to notice is on the people side of a system is uh, you look at a place like UNC, which is so complex. There's people uh, that you might label sort of at the top of the organization, in the middle of the organization, and then at the bottom of the organization. Right. And when you when you put that into a systemic viewpoint, the way the different levels look at each other, the way they make preconceived notions about one another, I see. Uh, where power and influence lies, regardless of, well, not regardless of, in addition to formal authority, mm-hmm. um, you'll see people who have a lot of followers at a, maybe a very low level or a mid-level because they believe in what that person says, even if it's counter to where the larger system is trying to go. Nice. So you see lots of little pulls and pushes all over the place. This is why I think leadership happens at every, every single level mm-hmm. of the system. 
because anywhere in a system you can see a leader gaining willing followers towards some sort of a vision or goal that they have in mind. Uh, the hope is in a healthy system that 99% of those are in alignment towards a greater vision for the system. But usually that's not what's going on, and that's where they call people they like call me people. <laughs> <laughs> to diagnose what the heck is going on. Now, you talked a little bit about this when you when you mentioned how you got into leadership yeah. development, management, and yeah. that sort of thing. But when, when are you experiencing your best moments um, when you're doing your work? This is an obvious one, and I think faculty would probably resonate with this too, is when students or people I'm working with have those aha moments where the light bulb goes on Mm -hmm. and they see, for example, going back to systems, when they start to see the system differently or they start to see their work situation differently Mm -hmm. and they start to recognize there's other opportunities and other ways of looking at and reframing their world than the way they were previously. And once that light bulb goes on, it just opens up such a broad and different range of conversation, whether, Mm -hmm. again, if I'm coaching a university provost or if I'm working with a a team of faculty or whatever the situation presents itself, it's the light bulb moment that really starts to uh, invite change. Right. And conversely, what would you say are sort of more challenging moments in your work? That's the complexity, I think, and what I love about the work I do, organizational development, organizational behavior, Mm -hmm. leadership. There's always blocks and there's always barriers and there's always resistors. Uh, So I think, and this may not be answering the question how you asked, but the biggest barrier I find in this work is, and I talked with my colleagues who do similar work, executive coaches or consultants, it starts with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the biggest barrier for me that I find, or the work I do, is on adjusting the way I show up for the people around me. And the more I find that the mindset and the energy I bring to a one-on-one coaching conversation or the energy and mindset I bring to a a complex strategy assignment, the way I show up impacts how people respond to me. Mm. And there's going to be naysayers here and there. There's going to be people who have lots of blind spots here and there. That's part of the work. And so you know that. You recognize that's part of any system. How I show up and engage it can have an impact on how the system or individuals might respond to it. The hardest thing, I think, is is when I see breakdowns, failures, barriers, and, and even with lots of work and trying things from different angles or different strategies, not much movement happens or yeah. no movement. That's just disappointing because my personal values is I want to be useful and helpful, and that's just – it just doesn't always happen. And so those tend to be challenges wow. more than anything. Great lesson, no matter what industry or field you're working in. <laughs> oh, it transcends. Yes. I think it transcends, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've sat in on um, a talk where you were discussing resilience, oh, yeah. and I've listened to a podcast where you discussed mindfulness. And, and I see these, these things being discussed everywhere. Are there other trends that you see in leadership that are sort of coming up and bubbling to the surface? Well, mindfulness is a big trend right now, Mm -hmm. for sure. And it's interesting with that, just as an aside, I don't think everyone fully understands it. Mm -hmm. They just make a quick impression about it. How would you describe it? It's a choice of where to put one's attention, whether it's going to be on the present moment or pulled in the past or future. And what I experience is when people are more focused, choose to focus on the present moment, the better decision makers they are, the better they are at self-care, the better they are at their relationships and interactions, the better they are at controlling their day Mm -hmm. and how they show up through their day. 
to me, that's mindfulness in action. Other growing trends in leadership? That's a great question. Innovation and creativity are very hot right now. Mm -hmm. And I think, actually, I think those are interrelated. And I think in a sort of more business-focused world, it's safer to say innovation than creativity. Creativity sounds softer for some reason or more (laughs) woo-woo. But yet, it's the looking for people to be able to think creatively, to think broadly, to think forwardly. So it's fascinating. Right now, I'm working with the Keenan Institute for the Arts, which is um, an institute in Mm Winston-Salem, kind of associated with the UNC School of the Arts. I'm collaborating with them on doing a series of interviews with well-established artists, famous performers, other folks who are having strong careers to talk about the the crossover of creativity and leadership or artist as leader. Mm -hmm. It's just to me very, very fascinating because I have an arts background as well and, and I see it how someone's ability to to be resilient, someone's ability to see broadly and see how things are interconnected, mm-hmm. uh, the ability to adapt to change, lots of things that come out of someone who's a trained artist or someone who's experienced as an artist or in the arts that applies then directly over to leadership. So we're doing these series of interviews that are um, going to be posted on the the Institute, Keenan Institute's website, and then we're talking about turning it into a book. Oh. So. That's exciting. Yeah, it's the next project on mm-hmm. the horizon. So it'll be my third book. And that's really been something I've seen. So that's a long answer to your question, but that starts from the, the burgeoning idea of innovation is another mm-hmm. place that, they're, that I see them pushing leaders to think about. And how do you, we talked a little bit about mindfulness, how do you personally build mindfulness or grow mindfulness in yourself? Like how do you stay mindful? How do you? How do I or how do I personal, recommend others? How do I personally, personally do it? every single day (laughs) Uh, well I have a practice one Mm -hmm. so I'm a meditator and there's lots of different types of meditation out there and and I tend to do more of what one might label as mindfulness meditation which Mm -hmm. is uh, focus on the present moment uh, without going into details on that so every morning I I meditate usually not long but usually for about 15 minutes uh, That's long to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> I would love to say I, I carve out more time for more than that. Uh, but to me, and, and I, this topic comes up a lot in my executive coaching, my leadership coaching. The notion of mindfulness to me is is really what I went, said earlier about mindfulness in action, mm-hmm. and for people to practice it, and I practice it as you move through your day. So, can I be aware of this present moment as I'm taking a shower, brushing my teeth, driving to work? Mm-hmm. It's easy driving to work to be thinking about the next thing you're going to do once you get there. Sure. Or the conversation you just had with your wife before you left home or mm-hmm. dropping your kids at school. So every opportunity to me is an opportunity to be in the present moment. And certainly in my line of work, I find the more I'm – going back to what I said earlier, the more I am present, the, the more positive effect it has on the interactions I have with those around me and the things I'm trying to accomplish. So it, to me, it's a it's a literally a minute-by-minute practice. Mm-hmm. I'm in no way mindfulness 20, mindful 24 hours a day. <laughs> That's why it's called a practice. <laughs> so I get to do it beyond those 15 minutes sitting on the cushion. You know, right. I carry it through my day, and I encourage others as a starting place to think about it that way. I'm also a big believer, and this is actually another trend in leadership, mm-hmm. in um, – somatic-based practices for developing as a leader. And I think anyone can do this regardless of what you do, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes in my coaching I'll talk about 
when when relevant with a leader to pick up a somatic practice. Somatic basically means yes, a mind. A bo- I'm sorry, a body based practice. Okay. That is a metaphor for whatever it is they're trying to do or grow or struggling with. Mm-hmm. What would be an example of that? So an example might be, let's say, someone who um, oh is afraid of conflict mm-hmm. or speaking up to people. They might take a karate class. I see. Um, yeah. Someone who uh, can't slow down, maybe that will – it's got to be something that's interesting to the client. Mm-hmm. So – but if, for example, someone who needs to slow themselves down, they learn to pick up gardening, tai chi, running. That There's the bevy. It, it can you know vary greatly. It just mm-hmm. depends on what their situation is and also what resonates for them. But I'll challenge leaders at times to find a somatic practice as a way to tune in beyond just when we're having our conversations, tune into themselves. And, mm-hmm. and using the body usually is a great way to sort of shortwire what's happening in the brain. You know, right. for those of you out there that are runners would know this, that it can really quiet the mind yes. <clears throat> through that prolonged exercise. And, and again, everyone's different, but it's finding that practice. And I think that um, can be very valuable for folks. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Check out more interviews at iah.unc.edu or subscribe to the IAH podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.